It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. Listen, I love the Philadelphia Eagles, but we all know drafting has to spend their four times. That's the opponent. Shake his hand and get to the damn locker room. Whether it's the fight Bills, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. I mean, the Eagles had that game, and I hate the Saints. Like, put them at the top of my list now. With the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there. Screw them. The Patriots. I hate the Saints now. And John Mita. Jimmy Butler was your best player. So this offseason, I don't care how many millions it takes. Brotherly Love Podcast. Hell yeah. SoundCloud, iTunes, what's good? I'll tell you what's good. The freaking Philadelphia Eagles are NFC East champs. John Mita, can you believe it? No. No, I cannot believe it. No. <laughs> it is truly a miracle. Uh, I know, man. With a lot with a lot of help. But um, you know, the division was just there for the taking. Dallas just you know did their usual screw up, which is fantastic. And it's a shame that we have to say goodbye to Jason Garrett. So Yeah, because he kept that organization mediocre for as long as he could. Yeah, we can only hope that the Giants take on uh, that wonderful coaching spirit of piss. We yeah. can only hope. I hope it's not. Here it might be Matt Rule, but I, I hope not. I hope it's uh, Jason Garrett, but we'll see. That would be unbelievable. Just keep him in the division as long as possible, clapping on the sidelines when things aren't going well. Uh, It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Appreciate everybody tuning in. This will be a very positive edition. It will be Eagles heavy. It will be NFL heavy. And then we'll get the hell out of here because there's not much else to get into that will be more noteworthy than really the last couple of weeks for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, finding a way to get it done, written off by everybody, including yours truly, and my podcast partner for the most part. We try to stay positive, but it was hard. Uh, I sent plenty of texts during this long season. This team just stinks. They just don't have it, that it factor. Because how else could you believe anything else through large stretches of this football season? There's no way as a fan, as a talent evaluator, as a coach, as a staff member, if you're with the Eagles organization, like how could you possibly have belief after witnessing what we all witnessed for, you know, stretches from weeks one to five and then, that god-awful stretch in the middle of the, of the year after the bye where they lost three in a row, including a game in Miami, which they had no business losing up two touchdowns against a terrible Dolphins team, and they were, they were dead. They were dead in the water. We knew they had to win their last four games. They need a little bit of help as well. They got all of that, and yesterday they battled and showed heart like only a Philadelphia fan could appreciate. And there were stretches of that game yesterday, John Mita, very emotional game, I think, for a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans. But there were stretches during that game where the injuries were piling up and guys were going down and guys were going into the medical tent, guys are going off the field on a cart. And I kind of internally was like, you know what? Part of me was, if, if they don't get it done, I wasn't going to be that disappointed because this team showed heart. But then part of me was also like, just win the goddamn division so that I can rub it in the face of every Cowboys fan I've ever met so that all the haters can just shut up. You can put on your NFC East championship hat, and you get yourself a home playoff game. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm not going to be disappointed if the Seahawks come to Philly and blow them out or beat them or whatever. 
But I will say this. This team has proven a lot. This team has shown heart that I didn't give them credit for. This team rallied around its quarterback and its coach. The defense stepped up when it needed to. And I am proud today to be a Philadelphia Eagles football fan. Ooh, what an emotional roller coaster the game was itself. I mean, it's. I think the one thing that I've learned in these last five games is just, okay, we are one of the older football teams in the National Football League. And now it looks like we have some youthful talent. Uh, you look at you know, the contributions that Boston Scott and Miles Sanders have made, especially Boston Scott. What a game he had yesterday, um, just doing it in all phases, you know, blocking, running, touching the football out of the backfield, making people miss, you know. He, running he people did. over. I mean, he's a powerful little guy. I mean, it's it's, it's unbelievable. And you got to give it up to the other guys. Like the, the Greg Ward, you know, he was a solid contributor again. Here's a guy that was on our practice squad in mall falls. And again, he just shows up and he catches the balls thrown to him. Then they had this other guy, Deontay Byrne, who I do remember a little bit from USC. Actually, he was a pretty good receiver, but I guess he went undrafted. Apparently he worked out at Josh McCown's gym. That's why they took a look at him. And then they saw, I mean, who knows? Then this guy makes one, one hell of a diving catch. It's just, I just love the fact, you know what? You know what's great? Like if I if I remember the 2017 team, like the Super Bowl team, like you could just say all year that they were just a team, and it's just nice to see this chemistry down the stretch. Whereas these young guys just believe in Carson. The other thing is, they're all playing for their jobs. Yeah, you know, they're not sitting on a fat contract where they're going to be getting paid for the next four years, and they don't care. And these guys are like, listen, the more and more. You know, plays that I put on tape will give me another opportunity if it's not going to be with the Philadelphia Eagles. And listen, a couple of weeks ago, we, we sort of talked about this. Remember, you and I talked about how it was nice to just see guys that look like they had a pulse, that they wanted to be out there, that they wanted to make somebody miss, that they wanted to run somebody over, that they wanted to make a tackle, that they valued the playing time. And we didn't see that when the quote-unquote regulars were out there for a lot of the season. And that's that's indicting on the incumbent starters, the veterans on this team. That's an indictment on sort of the staff and motivating these guys. That questions a lot for me about the makeup of the team. I mean, this city was ready to take Howie Roseman and pack his stuff for him because he can't evaluate talent. Little did we know, we had guys with talent and heart on the practice squad and guys you could get off the street, that you put them in, you simplify some things a bit, and they go out and make plays for you. I mean, you mentioned Deontay Burnett. You know, I, I, I wasn't sure if it was Barnett, Burnett, maybe Fred Barnett's son, but it's, you know, Josh Perkins is a tight end, but he's yeah. playing wide receiver. Robert Davis getting snaps. Hey, Rob, how about the catch that Robert Davis made? I mean, they play got called back. Right. The- Vitae doing another holding penalty, but I mean, guys are making plays. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, just throw it up there. Maybe you get a pass interference. Right. Maybe some guy makes a play for you. And it's amazing how well Carson plays in the ring. And and Dallas Goddard, I mean, he stepped up. I mean, we all love Zach Ertz, but you've seen the emergence of Goddard. And God, I mean, why couldn't we got this guy more involved earlier in the year? We're other wide receivers, but you're right. It is a total indictment of the Alshon Jeffries 
to Nelson Aguilar. It's like they're talking about Shelton Aguilar for the year. See you later, dude. Sit him down, you know, give him his last game check, whatever. I don't know if he gets a playoff check if he doesn't play, but see you later. Drive to the airport. Thank you for your service. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Yeah. See you later. Like, I know. Because there's guys on the team. Another guy, see, another guy, and I don't know if he was still banged up. I know he suited up, but um, nobody saw Ortega Whiteside in the game yesterday. I don't know if he was, they had him on a pitch count or, or whatever, but some of these other receivers, man, they just, they want to make a difference and they want to play. But I, I just love the fact that I think the big turning point in that game yesterday, Joe, was I think it was when Golden Tate caught the touchdown and Jim Schwartz went over to the secondary group and he basically said do your effing job and then walked away and from that point on the secondary really started to turn it up and they started making plays yeah it's, was, it's, it's interesting you bring that up i watching that sideline confrontation for lack of a better term i really thought he was referring back to the fourth down keeper where daniel jones faked it and ran off the right side and there wasn't soul around him now it's fourth and one you stopped them on second right. and one and third and one. Sure. You know, if they had snuck it and gotten it, what are you going to do? But when he broke off that run, it looked like to me he went and yelled at the lineman. And basically it was like, you know, whoever's edge responsibility that was, he was saying, do your job. Regardless, I like the fact that Jim Schwartz went over there, lit some people up. And on top of that, I texted you at one point during the game. He didn't change his philosophy. It was man-on-man on, man on the outside most of the day. They were putting eight in that yeah. goddamn box. They were blitzing when they had to, and they were going to make Daniel Jones beat them. And really, that, you know, listen. And I think on the, the Daniel Jones play you're referring to, I think Brandon Graham was injured at that time or being evaluated, and I think that's his left side. Or he's the left defensive end, and he's the type of guy that wouldn't crash totally. You right. know what I mean? Yep. He, he would play, both, you know, his gap responsibility. So, I think that's another reason, you know, why. But, and now, defensively, great game plan. And you got to love the fact that, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, to me, he's kind of had a down year. But he was straight balling yesterday. Yeah, but everybody, <laughs> uh, that's been that's been the narrative around Philadelphia when I listen to sports talk radio. I don't see it. Why? Why has Malcolm Jenkins had a down year? If The guy plays every single snap. He has not missed a snap like in the last three years. It's remarkable. Look at all the players that have gone down with injury. And this guy is in the box. He's stopping the run. He he breaks up passes. He's a leader. He doesn't he doesn't bail on his teammates. He doesn't throw guys under the bus after the game. He handled that Orlando Scandrick thing with class. I mean, people want to talk like Malcolm Jenkins should be having seven interceptions a season. That's not him. He's not a safety. He is a jack-of-all-trades. He's the rover back there. He's in the box. He's playing deep. He holds everybody together. Malcolm Jenkins, he could literally never play another snap of football. He'll go down as one of the ten greatest Eagles ever. It's not even a question. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty large statement. But, I mean, um, seriously. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, at least he, defensive. No, I, 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 I agree you know, he's the second best safety in team history. Yeah, there's. No I mean, you, unless there. you're going to throw Wes Hopkins in there or Dirty Waters, nah. but those guys were those guys were names based around a defense that Buddy built. They got everybody hyped up. They never won. No, they never won, and they never showed the type of versatility that he right. is as a safety. What he can do, 
on the field. Oh, anyway, so I yeah. listen, I got a few more things on this game I want to get into, all right? And yeah. I, I haven't done this a lot, but I'm going to credit Doug Poopy Peterson, all right? <laughs> and I know this, this, this brings a smile to your face, but here, here's what I got to say. Different quarterbacks, different personnel, and these guys play for him. You know, we were looking for this earlier in the year. We were scratching our head. We didn't have answers as fans, as prognosticators. You know, nobody in the in the city could figure out what the hell was wrong with this team. How could we have over-evaluated all this talent? Ray Dinger talking about the greatest set of skilled players the Eagles have ever had. Nobody's making a play for weeks. We didn't know what was going on. Doug wasn't pushing the right buttons. The game plan wasn't working. Nobody was open. The quarterback's not mo Like, everybody was under fire. And when this team gets their back to the wall, he knows how to rally them. I can't figure out why he can't get it done sooner. I can't figure out why he can't use his underdog card and his motivating stuff in September and October. But this is two year, three years now in a row. Three years in a row, they've been dead in the water or, in the case of 2017, lost their starting quarterback and the sky was falling and they've rallied. And I credit the head coach for that. Because there's been different quarterbacks. This wasn't Nick Foles again. You know, if it was Foles for the third straight year, you go, you know what? The guys just love Foles. They play for him. No, this time it's Carson Wentz. And this time he's playing with guys that probably should have been on the North North Dakota State roster where he won all those championships at D2. Like, these guys aren't good NFL players or they'd have been drafted, etc. But it shows you this team, these guys... They love the message he brings, the fact he doesn't waver, the fact he always has their backs, and players respect that. And you got to give Doug Peterson credit today. He deserves it. He called a decent game, but more importantly, these guys rally around his message. They rally around each other, and they played for each other. The amount of heart that team showed yesterday, and really over the last four weeks, trailing those games late, rallying and winning, granted against bad opponents, but yesterday... Knowing what was at stake, being on the road, in the rain, you know, it wasn't an easy game. They're not up three touchdowns and they're cruising. It was a, if you screw up, we might lose a division type of scenario, right? One bad play, one blown assignment, Barkley's, you know, in the end zone. Like, that game could have gotten away from them. All the injuries, Brandon Brooks going off on a cart, Matt Pryor coming into the game, and they didn't blink. And I credit the head coach for that. And, I, and you know I don't do that often. I think in the last five, six games, as far as play calling goes, I think he is now tailoring his offense towards Carson's strength. Amen. Instead of, it, instead of making him that, you know, maybe that prototypical pocket passer that everyone wanted to see, they're like, all right, let's get him on the run. Let's get him moving. You know, the screen game has come back to life. I mean, they've been gouging people with the screen the last three weeks, where in the first eight to ten weeks of the season, we didn't even see it. Um, now they're just they're just killing people with it. Got to give credit to the people that have stepped in. All the people that get. If I never have to see that damn blue tent again, you know, it will be too soon. It's like okay, this person's going in the tent, going in the tent. Going on. I'm like, oh my god, like can this game just end so we can get out of here? I mean, it's. But you no, know, Doug deserves a whole bunch of credit. The players love playing for. Him. I mean, you can see that they had their back. When Lombardi called him out and was like, he yeah. was the worst coaching hire. The players, they beat the Redskins. I think that was like week two, maybe 2017 or something. You know, they dumped Gatorade on his head. And I think that just showed like, nah, we, we like our coach. We have his back. And 
when he coaches in November and December, it's unreal. Like his record, I think he's like 12 and three in the month of December or something. So they find a way to get it done. You know, we get to host the playoff game, which is so ironic. And all you want to do is get into the tournament, right? There are so many teams that have just gone in the tournament, the New York Giants, the Pittsburgh Steelers, that have just got caught. They got hot late, got into the tournament, and, and made some significant noise. You know, can I tell you, do I think we have a great shot to beat Seattle this week? I think we do. You know, they got to come across, play us again. We're definitely a better team. And I, and I, and I also think it, it's going to be hard to beat a team twice in their building. Now, Carson has had terrible Horrible numbers against Seattle. He's actually never beat the Seahawks. He's 0-3. So there's some things that that tells you. But the point spread, it's not like Seattle. You know, they were 11-5 and on this season. It's not like they're coming in here as a touchdown favorite. They're only a two-point favorite. So, yeah, and then you roll the dice. Then maybe you go play San Francisco if they can find a way to get it done against Seattle. And who knows? Who knows? You don't know. You don't know until they play the game. So. It's very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And, and it's, you know, it's nice that we kind of, that was the first game in a while. You know, once we went up 17 points, man, ah, oh, it just felt like a huge weight was lifted off your soul, shoulders because, like, every game this season has been an absolute nail biter. Yeah. Every game. I agree. And I, I'm really happy for Carson Wentz because he's taking a Me lot too. of heat, you know. And for Me him too. for him to play the whole season, to lead this team, to a playoff spot, to playoff berth. Granted, it's 9-7. and seven. Granted, it wasn't always pretty. But when you look at what he did the last month in must-win games, it was remarkable. And they showed that stat on the TV broadcast. I took a screenshot of it because it was so damn impressive. I want to make sure I mention it today on the podcast. But in the fourth quarter and overtime, in the last three weeks, he ranks first in the NFL in completion percentage, first in passing yards, first in touchdowns. And that's just in the fourth quarter in the one overtime period, the last three games. I mean, he just was, he didn't flinch, no matter what. You know, that Saquon Barkley touchdown could have been the backbreaker. That could have been the backbreaker. And that next, you know, the early in the fourth quarter, they got a first and 20 because of a holding penalty. They've had, you know, a number of guys go out with injury. You're on the road. I mean, there's just so many factors against them that they could have just said, you know what, we had a good run. And they didn't. They didn't flinch. And he willed this team to victory no matter who was around him. You give the offensive line credit. For the most part, he had time throughout the day to survey downfield, to actually throw the ball more than five or seven yards down the field. That was a huge part. But Carson Wentz is a guy that today I'm just happy for because at least for a few weeks a few months into next September, everybody should just shut up about the elite conversation or who should we have, Foles or Wentz. Just shut up. Yeah, I mean, listen, think about this. The guy threw for 4,000 yards. Okay, first Eagles quarterback in, in, in organization history to throw for 4,000 yards. Here's a crazy thing I heard. Do you know what the over-under on his passing yards in Vegas was for the season? This will blow your mind. 4,040 yards. He had 4,039 yards. Come on. So the under hit? I swear. So the under hit. But like, and keep in mind, he went out in one of those games because he had the, what was it, the Atlanta game where he had to go in the tent for a concussion protocol? Yeah. So, where McCown came in. Yeah. So that could have been the difference. But it looked 20, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. 
almost a four-to-one ratio with guys off the scrap heap. I mean, what he has done, how many other quarterbacks in this league could have done what he did in the last five weeks? You tell me people don't want to say he's elite or that he's not that same guy. I think Joe, well, remember, people are talking about, oh, my God, he's just regressed this year. Honest to God, Joe, I really think that was a product. A lot of that was the play call. I really do. I think they just weren't letting him, they weren't tailoring the game plan to his strengths. And I think we saw that in the last five weeks. Like, what made what made what made Nick Foles so successful during the the, the playoff run? They essentially went into Chip Kelly's playbook, right? The and RPOs and yeah, yeah, the RPOs basically took what were his like favorite plays, went back into the book, and then they just started lighting people up. That's what you need to do. You need to tailor your system around your players' strengths, not their weaknesses. Okay, he's not going to be a guy that sits in the pocket. The one thing that worries me is, over the course of the season, he, six, he completed 64% of his balls. Like, my God, do you know he's averaging 39 attempts a game? Yeah. 39 attempts. That's way too high, in my opinion. So, I again, agree. now that Jordan Howard is back, and, you know, I don't know if he was a decoy or what he was doing. I saw but... him on one snap. I saw him on one snap. It was a play-action pass. There was, like, a penalty yeah. on the play. Didn't even count. Yeah. That was the one time yeah. I saw him in the game. And that was it. But hopefully he better be getting ready to go because they did. We did get some good news on the injury front. It looks like Miles Sanders has a low ankle sprain, much better than a high ankle sprain. That means he'll probably be able to play. Looks like Lane Johnson might be back. Maybe even Zach Ertz with that lacerated kidney. My God. And, you know, obviously Brandon Brooks is, is done with a separated shoulder. That hurts, but... You know, Matt Fryer came in and did a real nice job there. So it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, I can't stand the Carson Wentz haters. I mean, listen, I'm not saying the guy's perfect and does he hold the ball too long and ball security was an issue. But I'll tell you what, you look at the last five games, you know, as far as fumbles goes, interceptions, like the one interception that he had well, was essentially like a Hail Mary that he threw. So take that out of the book. And, you know, he's been playing flawless football. Just doing it with guys that mediocre talent, but man, they're playing hard. They they want it, man. They're hungry. That's what I love to see, man. I think the team is hungry, and we haven't seen that type of hunger since 2017. And that fraud cowboy that we had on our team, Orlando Gandrick, that scumbag, saying that we were still nursing the Super Bowl hangover. It looks like we're hungry, and you know what they're saying is right now. We're not done yet, so we'll see what happens. I hope Matt Collins is enjoying his tan in Miami, that loser. Oh, oh God, Matt Collins. I mean, oh, I mean, the minute he said that he didn't want to play wide receiver, he's a special teams player, I would have cut him right from that interview. Uh, if I was Harry Rose, I would have called him to the office and be like, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. I can get 50 guys off the street play special teams for me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just, again, they just don't want to admit that they have trouble drafting wide receivers. But this draft, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, is loaded with wide receivers. And it is in our best interest due to the fact that Alshon Jeffrey might not be coming back next season because of his injury that we draft a wide receiver, a playmaker, that Carson can groom from day one, a young playmaker, and, and move forward that way. You want to dive into the Seahawks game at all? Anything you're looking for? I know you touched on it for a minute there, but 
Uh, I'm going to get one thing right off the hop. You might as well book it. Uh, They will run another trick play. Guaranteed. It's coming. So just get ready for it. I can smell it from a mile away. Seattle is going to bring something out of the bag of tricks. They're banged up. They're coming across the country. Nobody's giving them a chance to win it all now. Uh, What a game that was between them and the 49ers on Sunday Night Football where they come basically a half inch away from winning the division. And and now they got to come across the country. And now the 49ers get a week off. And they're the number one seed. Everybody's got to go through San Fran. So it's amazing what literally the length of the football changed for those two teams. But I see a trick play coming from Seattle. You know, you can never count Russell Wilson out of a game. And that's the thing that always scares me. So the Eagles better play with a lead, and it better be a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter because that guy's going to make a play late. Banged up wise. I mean, it was incredible just to watch Marshawn Lynch, like what he could do. This guy was serving tequila shots at an Oakland Raiders tailgate a couple weeks ago. He's flying through the air on the goal line, making touchdowns. I mean, it was ridiculous. But they lost their first three running backs. I mean, if you remember, Rashad Penny, who is now on IR, ate us alive, had that huge touchdown run. Yep. You know, was running over Ronald Darby in the back end. And um, so, so they're banged up. They're banged up. They have some injuries. Uh, they do have playmakers on their side of the field. But, again, again, I just think it's, you know, it's, Listen, they got to come to Philly. That place against Dallas, you were in the stadium, I was in the stadium, that place was loud. Yep. You can only imagine what a 4.40 p.m. Sunday start with everyone getting lubricated in the parking lot is going to be like for them. And to come back and try to beat a team twice on their own field, that's not an easy task. So in this, hey, listen, this is house money. One of the greatest headlines is Carson takes the bad news, went the NFC East, went the bad, or takes the, when it gets to the playoffs with the bad news bears. I mean, it's like so true. It's yeah. like, but again, and this is his time to shine, right? You know, Nick Foles had all the shine. This is, I'm so happy the fact that he gets to play in a playoff game. And an even greater thing is the fact that it's going to be played at Lincoln Financial Field. And that's going to be amazing because I think he's just, I think he's on a roll, man. I was having this conversation at, at my holiday family party on Saturday. They go, what do you think about the game? Everyone's like, I'm nervous. I'm like, man, I just think Carson's on a roll right now. He is. He is on a roll. And I I think the roll's going to continue. We'll see. It's going to be, I mean, Seattle, they have have, have good players at a lot of positions, both defensively and offensively. But who knows? If Carson gets laid back, I mean, that'll be huge. I think he'll be able to play this week. That is huge. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's just, let's get it on. I can't wait. I know you'll be fired up on Sunday there in the house in person. I don't have to no remind doubt. you to be loud. Um, let's let's shift gears real quick. Just a couple of minutes here on the Brother Who Love sure. podcast. Uh, some NFL coaches have been fired already. Which jobs that are now available or you see becoming available are most attractive to one John Mita? Well, could it be Cleveland? Um, no. Uh, that's a grease fire. Let's see. The Redskins? Um I don't want that job because Daniel Snyder's a twerp. I think Carolina is kind of a nice job. The problem there is they don't have a quarterback. So do they then try to draft their future quarterback? Is that a bit of a rebuild? But they do. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, he's an unbelievable talent. So I think Carolina is good. I mean, the Giants job, is that an attractive job? 
now that that is now that Pat Shermer is fired. So for me right now, I would say the Giants or Carolina. Do you really want to go work for Jerry Jones as the general manager? I mean, they have all the talent in the world. As far as talent goes, like, as far as a team that's more ready to win than anyone, I hate to say it, but it's probably the Cowboys. But, again, do you want to go work for Jerry Jones? So, for me, I think it's either Carolina or the New York Giants are the most attractive spots right now as I, we speak. Yeah, I think. I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, to me, talent-wise, Dallas is probably head and shoulders above everybody else, but Jerry Jones is a knucklehead, and you got to deal with the media and all of that that goes with your GM slash owner talking after every game. Um, you know, so that, that, that certainly puts a damper on that job. Carolina, as you touched on, what's the quarterback situation? So that's kind of, for me, eh, I don't know. You bring up the New York Giants, and... We didn't see it from Daniel Jones yesterday. I don't know if he's the guy, but you're going to give him a chance if you get in there. And with Saquon Barkley, you know, you've got a franchise-type running back. So I I would think the New York Giants, you know, again, you got to deal with the media scrutiny, but I think that Dave Gettleman has enough experience in a couple of spots that he's a decent GM. He's he's added some nice pieces. I mean, you look at who they lost tight end-wise with Ingram being out. And then they got that kid in there yesterday. It was Caden Smith that made a few plays for them that they got off basically the scrap heap. So I, I think they have enough talent. Defensively, they had some big-time injuries. They need to add a lot on defense, in my opinion, the Giants, to, to be a really legit contender next year in two years. But between Barkley and Jones, you know you've got a franchise running back and a potential franchise quarterback. You're going to have a top-ten pick. So I would say the Giants right now, for me, are probably the job, uh, if I'm a coach that's looking for work probably the job I'd be making the first phone call to you think anybody else is going to get fired here in the next couple of days Johnny Meter? you know they kept Dan, Dan Quinn's coming back in Atlanta uh, because yep. I think they think that the players play hard for him and respond to him so that job's not available you know Cincinnati was a grease fire they're going to have the number one overall pick Arizona's not changing their you know quarterback or their head coach anytime soon because they're both new to the job so I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure there'll be other well, firings. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, I mean, they haven't fired Doug Marone yet, but I, in all likelihood, he might be gone. Yep. The Chargers, you know, I don't know if they stick with Anthony Lynn, but he could be gone. Yeah, I mean, who knows? The New York Jets, I mean, Adam Gates. I mean, do you keep him around? Yeah, like I, that? I, would not, I would not he, keep Adam he, Gates he, around. No, I and, and they just, you know, they got Joe Douglas. Kind of after Adam Gates was hired, so who knows if he gets. So there could be a couple more firings in the next couple of days. Right now we know of probably three open vacancies, but I think it could go up to as many as six, you know, with Cleveland, Jacksonville, maybe the Chargers, the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Redskins. I mean, think about that. Yeah, could be the you entire know, NFC, NFC East. East yeah. East, right. Could be new coaches all the way across the board. Matt Patricia, they said he'll be back for another year. Chicago. Nagy might stick say, around. Nagy, I think he'll, he'll be back. But other than that, six more new coaches, man. What have you done for me lately? You want to give out some game balls, Joe? Yeah, let's do Is it. Yeah let's do, it. yeah, let's do it. Um, all right. You go first. My first game ball is going to go to Doug Peterson. Because as I stated earlier, I just felt like the game plan – the way guys rallied around him, he's getting my first game ball. 
The second game ball is going to go to, as we know in the NFL, great coach, great quarterback. You tend to win more than other teams. That's always been the recipe the last 20 years. You have an elite QB. You've got a competent head coach. You're in games. And so Carson Wentz gets my second game ball. And my last game ball is going to go to Boston Scott because with the loss of Miles Sanders in that game, a lot of people probably thought, well, who the hell is going to get it done now? Because Sanders came out hot. And so the way that Boston Scott basically was the only running back the rest of the way. You know, you cut Jay Ajayi, Jordan Howard's there, but not really there. Sanders is hurt. So for essentially three quarters, it was the Boston Scott show to run guys over, to finish off those short yardage touchdown situations down, you know, inside the red zone to power in uh, the big play to that, that one-handed catch on the screen pass, which was horribly thrown, was a massive play. So I'll give uh, my three game balls to the head coach, Doug Poopy Peterson, the ginger general, Carson Wentz, and Darren Sproles 2.0, Boston, don't call me Michael Scott. All right. This is going to shock the world when I reveal my first game I'm ball. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, I think I know. Uh, uh, I got to give it up to the sunglasses, man. Jim Short. Yes. Get the game ball. I know. I know it pains me to say. Your but, boy Sidney Jones had a pick. Uh, I know he did. I still came up short. Another another brother law love podcast, Bet Law Steer. <laughs> um but yeah, Jim Schwartz, you know, put the guys in the right position, you know, mixed it up, went got after the quarterback, you know, lit people up when he needed to. They essentially gave up seventeen points. They really kept Saquon Barkley in check, except for that one run. So you got to give him credit. So, Jim Shorts did a nice job. The other one is Trayvon LeBlanc. Okay? He deserves the game ball. He made two crucial plays on fourth down. The first one was like fourth and three. They did like a four-yard bun hook. He knocked down the pass that the slot receiver, Daniel Jones, was trying to get into the slot. I think certainly Shepard might have been the guy. He knocked down. Boom. Turnover on down. The other play as when Saquon Barkley, and he is a fast man, tries to get to the sideline, and Craven LeBlanc just literally takes his legs out for a two-yard loss. And yep. stops the ball that was the game. Down. That was the ball game. That certainly was. So they, he gets the game ball. And the, uh, and the third one goes to Malcolm Jenkins, man. He is, without question, the defensive leader on this football team. And the play, the fumble, it was a bad snap, single Jones, and then he lights Jones up fumbles and you gotta give Fletcher Cox some credit. It yeah. was an absolute foot race to that football and he just smashed him on his way down to get there and beat him in the football and what a huge play that was. You know, the Giants, I mean think about a couple plays in that game, right? Boom, Saquon Barkley ties it up at the long run. Then the Eagles come down, they they weather the storm, they get a field goal in the next drive. Right. And then it's the sack fumble that sets them up to put them up ten points. Yep. Because think about it, and we've said this all year long, and we've beat the drum. If you win the turnover battle, you're most likely going to win the game. The Giants turned the ball over twice yesterday. The Eagles didn't turn the ball over once, and we all know how that story went. Yep. So those are my game balls. Malcolm Jenkins, Sunglass Man, Jim Schwartz, and Cravon LeBlanc. For I like a it. fabulous game. You went all defense. I appreciate that. I know you're a defensive-minded fella. Fletcher Cox, by the yeah. way, on the play – you gave him credit for, you know, jumping on the fumble on the play that 
Cravon made on fourth down, essentially, and the game cutting out Barkley's legs. If you rewatch yeah. that play, Fletcher Cox was coming up that middle, forced Barkley to really bounce it outside and avoid him, and that gave LeBlanc some time to get over there. By the way, where was all of Philadelphia talking about the return of Cravon LeBlanc? He'd been out all year, and they're talking about yeah. Jalen Mills is out and the cornerback's yeah. situation, and everybody's so banged up. I didn't hear anybody mention that my boy strapped Cravon LeBlanc was coming back. <laughs> well, he did a nice job coming back. He did. Love that guy. All right, give me a prediction, Johnny Mita. What do you got for Sunday at the link? Oh, boy. Well, considering we only give up 17 points at home, we're going to ride that train, and I'm going 31-17, Eagles. Whoa, a two-touchdown win? Damn right. It's going to be rocking. And the defense is going to score one of those touchdowns, so our offense will only have to get three. All right, I like it. All right, I like it. I will stick with the 17 as well since that's been the magic number. I will ride that train with you, and I will go with a 23-17 Philadelphia Eagles. Why not with this team? Like you said, house money, brother. You might as well. Again, they have nothing to lose at this point. It's been a it's been a saved season. They've played with heart. They've had guys fill that opportunity shown to them and step up. They've gotten some guys that now will be part of this organization, hopefully from years to come, that we didn't know were on the radar, and they played hard for their head coach. They rallied around their starting quarterback, and I think all of this is positive moving forward, and I don't care if you don't get the 12th pick and you get the 21st pick. To me, to beat the Cowboys, to win the division, to jam it up Dallas as you-know-what, that's enough to make my season. All right, brother. Enjoy the Nova game tonight. Talk to you soon. Go you, Birds. You got it. Go Birds. Thanks for listening, everyone. Appreciate it. All right, for John Mita, Joel Donald signing off. Go Birds. They got it done. NFC's champs. Who would have thunk it even just a couple of weeks ago? Thanks for tuning in to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Till next time, we'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.